This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the Howdy Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and How Do Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with one of my best friends here in Austin, Texas, Mr. Corey Lawson. To learn more about Corey and his story, go back to episode 36, where he speaks about all of that. This conversation, however, is more tailored to providing you with value in all areas of entrepreneurship, especially how to start and scale a side hustle, as well as his other area of expertise, how to be a healthy and happy human being. This full episode is also up on my YouTube channel where you can see the exact questions I asked Corey as well as the timestamps in the description. I'm super stoked for you to hear all the value he dropped in this episode. So let's get right into it and say hello to Corey Lawson. What is up Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here back with another Thrive on Life podcast episode. And today I have one of my best friends here in the ATX, Mr. Corey Lawson, sitting next to me. If you wanna learn more about him, go back to episode 36 where you can hear more about his story and what he's been working on over the years. But today, we're going to get a little bit more specific. It's something I've wanted to try for a while now, writing down some questions and then kind of doing a little bit more of an interview style so that we can be more valuable to the audience. But before we get into that, Corey actually had a pretty interesting question before we hopped on here. Uh, The conversation stemmed from, he asked me if he could drink while on this podcast. And when he said drink, he meant water because uh, we have headsets on and he was figuring out how to like move the headset around to drink the water. But then we got into kind of a discussion of if you simulated your life 20 times over, 30 right, times right. over, what different lifestyles would you have lived? And one of the lifestyles he <laughs> mentioned for me is being some type of skateboarder or uh, what, I'll, I'll let you. What yeah, you yeah. About? You know, we see CJ now. He's this successful entrepreneur and it's great and he's clean cut and we love it. But I'm like, is there a scenario out of those 20 <laughs> where he's just this this skateboarding kid, y'all tatted up. He's still an entrepreneur, but he launches a beer company. He's <laughs> ripping shots every weekend. Who knows? I mean, maybe you apply those same entrepreneurial skill sets to a whole different path. To the other end of the market, yeah. It's like, (laughs) it's one of those things that, 
I mean, who knows? It could be the future. We were just talking about this the other day where what if you come out with an alcohol that doesn't have ill effects? So you still get kind of like that buzz because I love the buzz. Like there, there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. right? I just hate the the downside. Right. Like I'm the type of guy when it comes to business, fitness, health, I always protect the downside. That's right. Right? So it. when you see me working out, you don't see me doing like the hardest reps and the hardest sets and whatever because I'm protecting my downside. Like I'm right. not trying to get hurt. Like right. I'd rather work out seven days a week than ruin the chances of that. And it's the same thing when it comes to business. Like I'm going to risk it for the biscuit, but I'm not going to make- but not put the whole family I'm not going to put the, the whole family on the line, right? <laughs> so it's just like, hey, maybe one day, never say never, like- come up with a concoction where it's just like, you know how they have these non-alcoholic things. We could get into, okay, this is alcoholic, but instead of drinking it and it affecting your liver, it doesn't affect your liver anymore, but it gives you a little bit of a, takes the edge off a little bit. Hey, it, look, whoever figures that out, that's probably a billion dollar company. <laughs> and if it's you, I'm telling this to people right now, all I want is 1%. That's it. Hey, one percent of a billion. One, how much is that? Let's do some math mm, right now. So, ten percent of a billion would be a hundred million. So, it'd be ten million, right? Look at that math. Hey, man, Family. come on now. All I, right, I did go to cool. We're gonna hop right. right into it. It's Friday. I'm really fired up, and I wouldn't want to spend it any other way. So, top priorities of someone who's thinking about starting a side hustle. What should their top priorities Ooh. be? So, this is somebody who has not started yet. No, they are sitting at their job right now and being like, man, this last year was pretty crazy. I kind of see the way the world's going. I have a little bit more free time because I'm working from home. Mm -hmm. What should my priorities be? Because one okay. of the things I've seen is that a lot of people that try and go start their side hustle, like yeah. the priorities are all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> right. God. So the first two that, I, that come to mind for me is number one, you got to get your finances in order, right? So when I started my side hustle, when I was in corporate America two, three years ago, one of the reasons I wasn't able to make that leap in the first year or the second year was I still didn't have a great process in place when it came to how much am I saving every paycheck, uh, how much am I investing every paycheck, all that stuff. So I would say they've got to get their personal finances in order. And then two, they need to actually sit down and figure out what they want to do what are they actually passionate about? Because I can just tell you from experience, when you work a nine to five and then you're trying to pursue this side hustle after work, if you don't love what that side hustle is, you're just not going to pursue it the way you think you are. You're going to skip days. You're going to look up in three months and it's like, oh, remember that side hustle I started three months ago that I haven't worked on in three months? That's what's going to happen if you don't actually love the, the side business that you're creating. And I love how you, you ended there like, because I'm going to I'm going to piggyback off that with business side business because right. at the end of the day you can't do something you're passionate about that isn't going to make you money. Absolutely. So it's just like you have to find that passion but what the way that I interpret it is like getting obsessed with the process and mm -hmm. being passionate about the process of something that you could create that could lead to a dollar. So Absolutely. for you, like you're in the fitness industry and and people are always looking to get healthier, wealthier, and wise. So like you're in an industry that that's not that's never gonna go away. So the fact that you can make a dollar off it is also helpful when it comes to oh, being absolutely. passionate about it. Because there's a <laughs> lot of blind people out there. And what I mean by blind is like, they'll try and create art that nobody wants. Right. And even though you're passionate about yep. it, if it doesn't make a dollar at the end of the day, you're still going to be suffering just as much as if you were at that corporate job. So I love what you put there. And I'm going to add as a second part of this question, Ooh. you mentioned getting your finances in order. 
if you're somebody that doesn't know how to do that, mm. what's your first step? Honestly, the first thing I would say, so like my general opinion on, on personal finance is similar to my opinion on a lot of things when it comes to health and fitness, which is that a lot of people, if they just picked a plan and stuck to it, they would be pretty successful. And so I think a lot of people struggle with personal finances, even myself in the past, because if you don't have a plan or a system, you're going to lose, right? So there's so many different approaches you can take. You can take the approach of what personal debt do I have in my life? And there's many different routes for attacking that debt. You could take the approach of maybe I want to build up a certain amount of savings before I leave my job. That's what I did. You can take the approach of investing. Like for me, I don't think it's so much about like what philosophy you pick so much as people need to not be indifferent and apathetic about their personal financing. And I think a lot of people who have a paycheck coming in are pretty apathetic and that's why it's tough to get ahead. That's fire right there. Yeah. It's like you you can't expect anything if you're not looking at it ever. So it's just like a bad plan is better than no plan. Bingo. And just to give like, if I was to say what is probably the one practical thing everyone can start doing, it's just get some kind of like budget tracking app to where when the month is over, you need to know how much money you spent and where it went. So if you do nothing else, that would help so many people if they can get a summary at the end of the month where it's like, I spent this much money on food, on rent, on travel, whatever it is, on groceries, like that would be a great start for people. I use personal capital as an app for that, but there's plenty of apps that do the exact same thing. Awesome. I love it. Second question, what is the biggest misconception about being your own boss? Because I think a lot of people out there, they, <laughs> they want to get the side hustle yeah. because they have this fictitious <laughs> idea of what it means to be your own right. boss and that it's all peaches and cream when we know that it's like far from that. It's literally just a type of person in my right. eyes. Absolutely. So what are the biggest misconceptions that you've kind of come across? Ooh, a few. Um, so... One misconception that I get all the time from friends and family, because people are always like, oh, it must be nice being your own boss. It must be nice running your own business. Like, oh, whatever. I think people think (laughs) that when you run your own business that you don't work a lot and that life is really easy. And I'm here to tell people, at least in these initial years, you're going to be probably working more than you did at your corporate job. And so for me, when I had a corporate job, it was, I can work nine to five from Monday to Friday, and it's very you know organized, and when you're off, you're off, right? Versus now, I'm like, you guys think it's easy, but guess what? On a Friday night, I might be at a coffee shop working, right? On a Saturday, I might be working. If there's a client that wants to work out on Sunday, hey, their money's green. I might be working on <laughs> Sunday, right? And so I think people have this misconception because of, honestly, social media. Uh, because you know, one of my pet peeves, people try and, I think, over-glamorize the entrepreneurial lifestyle. So people think we're just like on a beach <laughs> seven days a week and that's what we do. And it's like, no, I think we probably work more hours than a lot of people do at their actual jobs. <laughs> so that's one misconception. The second misconception I would say as well, I think people look at the whole, hey, you get to create and craft your own schedule. And yes, to a degree you do. But again, I go back to the money is still green, right? And if it's your first year, um, like I remember like the first year that I was a full-time entrepreneur and you're trying to pay rent for the month, you're trying to make sure you have enough money coming in. Look, if there's a client who's like, hey, I want to work out at 7 a.m. three days a week, are you open to doing that? 
Do you want to wake up at 7 a.m. three days a week and be at the gym? Maybe not. But are you still going to take that client? You probably are. And so I think there's a little bit more market dynamics when it comes to what your schedule ends up being, especially when you're in these first couple of years of being your own boss. I love that. And I think for me, what it reminds me of is this was actually an Ashton Kutcher quote. He said, I forget where he said it, but it's just like it goes somewhere along the lines of like you like for the first 5, 10, 20 years, like you have to be the first person in the room until you're the person that everybody's waiting on. (laughs) And if you approach it like that, that's where you like find success. And then like the first person in the room, what what I mean by that is if you have to, just like you said, if you have to take those gigs that you don't necessarily want to do in the beginning just to make things work. um, And here's where the plan comes in, where you said having a poor plan is better than no plan. What I found, found in the past is that people never have a plan to get out of that 7 a.m. Yes. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do this for six months and then stack cash because I have this next part of the plan that then I'm going to execute on versus they just take the cash and then they get stuck and then they start hating the side hustle or hating the business because they're like, man, I just traded the corporate mm-hmm. world to work even more. And now I don't even have that freedom that I really ultimately wanted. And I think that's something that we all go through in at some capacity until you start realizing like, oh, if I have a plan, then I can start buying myself time. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing that I think I learned going from the corporate world to entrepreneurship is entrepreneurs buy themselves time Bingo. versus corporate people buy themselves alcohol, outings, events, cars, <laughs> things that right. like we don't need. And right. then the entrepreneurs are always looking to buy more time because what do you do at that time? Figure out how to leverage it and make it more valuable exactly. over the long run. So, yeah, I mean, and I would even add to that as well because you see that a lot in my industry, right? Which is the coaching industry, the fitness industry. A lot of coaches will get stuck. They'll get trapped in this. Like they took on one 5 a.m. client and then they took on the second one and the third one. And like now that's your schedule now forever. Or even worse, there's some coaches who, hey, I'll drive out to your house and train you. And then maybe you can get away with that for one person, but then the second person wants to do that. The third person wants to do that. And it's like now most of your work day is in the car, not generating any revenue, right? And so I think there is this element of you have to be able to step back and be like, okay, can I be strategic about, yes, okay, the short term, the cash is good in the short term. But is there a better way to get the same cash in the long term? And so like the example I will often use with other coaches is, you know, I could have an in-person client who is higher ticket, pays me more money, but can I recreate that client in the aggregate? Can I have two online clients who together create the same amount of revenue as that in-person client? And those are the kind of questions you have to start asking to buy your time back. That is an amazing approach to it. Hell yeah. This, this... <laughs> I'm already fired up. This is going to be a great. Hey, uh, I've learned from the best. So don't let this guy, don't (laughs) don't let CJ be too humble here. You just dropped his course today. So I I learned from the best. Hell yeah. Hey, (laughs) strive together, strive together. Say it all the time. Cool. I like this question. Hardest decisions you've had to make thus far in your journey? Oof. This is tough. One of the tough ones, I'm just going to give the first one that comes to mind is so, like in my family, I'm the oldest sibling. Right. And so I'm the oldest sibling. Our family is not super well off, things of that nature. Right. And so for me, when I called my mom saying, Hey, I'm going to leave my corporate job, she's happy for me. She's excited for me, but she's also nervous because at the time, my sister's still in college. 
And God forbid, if something happens to me or my mom, like there's no safety net. Right. And so, I mean, just again, to give you a bit of a background, it's like for me, my family background, when I quit my corporate job, like I knew going into it, like there's no safety net. Like I don't have, you know, some inheritance or rich parents who can just bail me out. Right. And so then you flipped it on its head and my mom's sitting there like, when you were in that corporate job, our family was pretty safe until your sister gets out of college because if anything, if emergency strikes, I could be the one, me, myself, I could be the one to like help us out, right? And so when I took that risk to be like, you know what, I'm going to give away this consistent corporate paycheck and this income, it kind of put our family in a situation to where it was like, okay, if emergency strikes in this two, three-year period, we're screwed. <laughs> and so that was something that we went back and forth on for probably a year. And if my mom's listening, she'll laugh because she favors safety across decisions. Um, and she wants to protect her boy. She wants yeah. to be, yeah, she wants the safest route. And for the first year of, hey, mom, I think I'm going to do this full time. She was like, I don't know if you should do this. I don't know if you should do this. Most businesses fail. 80% fail. I don't know if you should do this. And that was tough because I had to be strong and be like, look, everyone thinks I'm crazy. I'm going to bet on me. <laughs> and here's a, here's a flip side to that. Yeah. It's just like, you mentioned an emergency, but like in an emergency, you want to be somebody that can make money out of thin air. Agreed. And at a corporate job, you can't do that. No. So if a corporate job lays you off tomorrow and you're in an emergency, then it's like, oh, what do I do? Versus now that you know how to make money, it's just like, Use 24 hours. Like, literally, if you have to work 24 hours straight do it. to find a yeah. client or to make money or to release a product, you can do it. I'll do it. And then on the other flip flip side of that is like, luckily, we live in a day and an age where it's like Uber and, and That's Lyft. Right. Absolutely. And like pick up a part-time job. Do like, De- there's so many things yeah, that you can absolutely. do that just to make some quick cash and then also be building your thing on the, on the yeah. side within a quick time frame. So it's one of those things that we just live in this new age where – have the understanding of that you kind of have more to be. opportunity than ever to generate cash yeah ever now sustainable maybe not that's that's but get yourself out of tough a, part. get yourself out of a pinch yeah hell i've been there and something i told my mom and i told i tell this story all the time is when i was in corporate america because people think entrepreneurship is super risky and yes it is risky but my rebuttal is always every path is risky when i was in corporate america my final year with the company, we had three different rounds of corporate layoffs. So three different times while I'm thinking about, should I quit my job? Three different times, we walk into the office and I had coworkers who were in their 40s, their 50s, and for no fault of their own, hey, you know, we're, we're cutting headcount. We have to lay people off. And so I sit there and I'm like, wait a second, as a full-time entrepreneur, I've never had all my clients fire me at one time, but if your primary income is your job, you can lose that job tomorrow. And so it just depends on how you look at risk. To me, that's more risky. You know, that's more risky to be like 100% of my income can evaporate. Because it's out of your control at that point. out of your control. And that's the other thing that is just like, being at a corporate job is like gambling in my eyes. mm, It's like gambling. Because- I agree. No matter what, like- People, this is how I look at it. It's like you go into to gamble, right? You're going to win some money. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to put your money in the 401k and you're going to do whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the house always wins. Yeah. That corporate job's <laughs> taking your health, taking yeah. your sanity, taking time away hand. from your family. That's like right. the house always fucking wins, right? But in entrepreneurship, a lot of it is just time. If you stick through it and then you mm-hmm. are, I think, 
able to reduce her ego and like I love your response to like the hardest decision has nothing to do with business and more to do with it's personal personal yep and those are the biggest things that trip people up is like if you can reduce your ego and fix the personal side of like how you're feeling your business is then going to do that much better so I love how you answered that let's pretend like past three years four years for you got wiped away like oh, you're, wow. you're starting brand new today you're walking in here yeah being like, yeah, I'm gonna like start something. <laughs> I'm gonna right? take over the world. I'm gonna take over the world. <laughs> How would you go about attracting your first clients and customers? Now, granted, with this question, you do know what you do know today. Okay. So you're not starting fresh in the knowledge standpoint. You know what you know today, but wipe claw away and say you were starting a new business tomorrow. How would you go about attracting your first clients? Because I think the other thing that people don't understand is they don't understand to how to attract money. Mm-hmm. We're so used to chasing money right. and trying to chase money to save yeah. rather than having the money come towards us. So knowing what you know now, yeah. what would you say to the people that are looking to start that side hustle to learn to get into that attraction mm-hmm. phase and attract those first clients that they're trying to get? Good question. So it's a little bit industry specific, although I think across industries, the more value you can give out to the world, the better chance you have of attracting those customers. If I was to say for my journey and I was to start a fitness company from scratch all over again, whether my goal was to sell a course or to get one-on-one clients, whatever it is, I think I would do a pretty similar thing, which is I would start from scratch. We had a boot camp on day one where we had people coming out to the boot camp, and I think that's what I would do. I'd be like, hey, I'm hosting a boot camp on Wednesday night. First month is completely free. So something that's like gathering people. Gathering people. And the reason I would say that is because if I'm going to try and get somebody to invest in one-on-one coaching, the more that they can trust me and get to know me, the better chance I have of getting that person to make that investment. And so I would sit there and say, hey, I'm going to do these boot camps you know, every Wednesday night. This month, it's completely free. Whoever wants to come out. And I would just do my best to make them, you know, feel like, man, I learned something at that boot camp. I had a great workout. I really enjoyed uh, Coach Corey. You know, he taught me how to squat, whatever, whatever. And then in the background, I'd be like, oh, yeah. And by the way, like if you're interested in coaching, let me know. So that's probably what I would do. I I would try and create something where I'm touching people directly, but then offering value in the form of that group workout. And I would try and parlay that into more clientele. Yeah, so parlaying this into any other type of business, ultimately, mm-hmm. like what I think about is what you're doing then is having like some type of call to action to yeah. attract or target customer. Yep. And then at the end of the day, being able to speak to those people right. in multiples rather than one on one. And that's where a lot of people go the other route, which is like, I'm going to cold call and I'm going to cold DM and I'm going <laughs> to rather luck. than saying like <laughs> what you're talking about really doing is building up your personal brand right. by providing value Absolutely. to a public space and literally anyone can do it. So a, right. a great example is like if you're in the corporate world right now, that's a great thing to have because you have so you many, have so many contacts, connect, yeah, connections, right? So, hey, join my webinar. Hey, Bingo. join my live. Hey, mm-hmm. come to my boot camp. Hey, come to the park where right. I'm going to be speaking on XYZ. Like, and then also... The second thing I would say is, and you did do this, which is go to other people's things, Absolutely. which is like, that's mm-hmm. how, if you can provide value to people that are already in that space, you're going to be able to draw that attention and attract those people. Yeah. In, so. and, and, and I would just like piggyback on the previous is like, I guess my philosophy is 
I want to create trust in the marketplace as soon as possible, right? And so in fitness, if I can do that through a group workout, wonderful. But if I was a barber, if I if my business was to open like a barber shop, I would probably go to 10 people and be like, hey, I'm going to give you a free haircut if you trust me. You know, here's my haircut I did on myself. Here's my certificate that I can cut hair. You can trust me. I'm going to give you free haircut if you allow me to post your before and after on Instagram. Any industry that I'm in, I'd be trying to create that trust. You know, if, if I was in a food industry, I'd be like, can I host some kind of social event where I can have samples of my food out there? So I guess that's just always been my philosophy is how can we create trust as soon as possible? What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Corey. I hope you are loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Corey Lawson. Even if you're not trying to build a side hustle right now and you're thinking about just your own job and your own career, like you get your emails answered quicker if people trust you, if people mm-hmm. find you authentic, if Absolutely. people find you valuable. So this doesn't just apply to the entrepreneurial world. It applies to literally my, pretty much life. Like Everything. trust. If yeah. someone, what can I do to get somebody to trust me? And ultimately it's just be a good human being and like right. being more valuable and giving life to people rather than taking life. Yeah. So It's no different from even in corporate. If you have a corporate job, like don't you ask your manager, hey, is there any projects I can jump on? Why do you ask that question? Because you want to build trust. It applies to everything. Oh, yeah. Love it. All right. The last question in the business section, and then we're going to jump more into the health and fitness. What books, resources, advice have been most helpful for you in your entrepreneurial journey? Ooh, books, resources, advice. The first obvious one is, you know, I've been working, CJ's been a coach and mentor of mine since 2019. And so that is an obvious answer. Um, So I would start there. But how did we meet? Mm, this is a funny story. Um, so I had a high school friend. Uh, her name is Haley. We were friends in high school. And then, you know, you go off to college. You you separate paths. I hadn't talked to her since high school. She stumbled across my fitness page out of the blue. And she sends me. Where was your fitness page? Instagram. Okay, there you okay. go. So that's a resource. That's, not, that's where I'm getting at right Okay, here. my bad. So. Instagram, right? So I guess the answer is social media was a big help for me. She saw one across my fitness page, and that's when she's she was like, Hey, I love the stuff you're I love your content, whatever. This guy CJ helped me with my business. You should reach out to him. 
And and that's when I wish I could say that I immediately reached out to CJ, but my <laughs> ego was too big. And I was like, man, who is this guy? I don't need help. I'm going to do this my way. I don't, need, I don't know who this guy is. I don't need help. I don't need help, you know, knowing how to coach people. And so it wasn't until my business account got shut down. Um, I'll never forget. Your bank I was, account, right? My bank account, yeah. So I was <laughs> outside of the gym. It was raining. It was nighttime. My business bank account got shut down. On top of that, I was blowing my corporate money, spending like an idiot. So I didn't have much money in my personal account either. And then at the same time, I had two clients total after six months of trying to build this business, quote unquote, you know, two clients. How many do you have now? 18 right now. But then I had two clients and that's when I said, you know what? This is about as close to rock bottom as I'm willing to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, I said, and that's why I shot CJ that, a DM and said, look, you know, let's get some lunch and talk about business because I need help. <laughs> so I, I love this. And another reason I'm having you tell the story because we just yeah. parlayed off of trust, right? Yep. So what did we do when we got that lunch? Oh, we had I'll, two, yeah. right? I'll never forget. So I show up to lunch with CJ and now I'm going into it thinking, you know, I'll probably have a good conversation, yada, yada, yada people i walked out with three pages of notes because cj starts grilling me with questions on well you know have you done this in the business have you done that have you thought about this have you considered that and i'm like okay wait wait a second i had to bring out my own piece of paper and a pen because i this is way more knowledge than i was expecting to get i walked out with three pages of notes and cj never even asked for the sale like he never I had I reached out to CJ and I was like, okay, so now what do we do? Like, <laughs> I was like, now what do we do? Um, and he was like, let's jump on a phone call and talk more business. And I'm like, okay. And then I walked out with like two pages of notes that time. And then finally, I was like, dude, I got to work with you. Like, I, you got to, I have to. And that and that's where it went. But to the previous point, like, you just built so much trust that you, you could have asked me for any price, and I would have, I probably would have found a way to say, yeah. And the cool, the cool thing about it is the reason that I did that, because I'll, I'll tell it from my end, is because when you are looking to get clients, because that was one of the questions attracting, yep. is like you only, like one thing you learn early on in the side hustle is that like there's some clients you want to fire. Oh, yes. Right? And like once you've tasted that. <laughs> no offense, but oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and you can't, like, you, like in there's certain parts of your business, like you're just like, damn, like I need this cash. So yep. like I got to ride this out. Right? Absolutely. But as soon as you get to a point of leverage where like at that point, like I didn't need to work with you. I already had kind of a good setup. So it's just like, I love what I do. And then, so I'm willing to take one, two, three meetings. And if that person really wants to work with me and I find it to be a good fit, that's where we go from there. And Fortunately, uh, it was it was awesome, and I just saw your your you just have a tenacity. So mm. it's it's pretty cool to see where it's gone and where we're sitting right now. But I don't want to get us off track of the question so, of the resources. Yeah, other but resources. the resources, like yeah, just to outline that for the listeners, you can go into more. Mm -hmm. Is Corey was on social media, and even though like your shit was ass compared <laughs> to like what it is now, like your content, and I want to, I actually that's a compliment. Because you, you, another thank, reason thank that you. I, I was you. excited to work with you was you weren't afraid to put stuff out there. Yes. No matter like your resources. Like you didn't have the nicest phone. You didn't have the nicest GoPro. You had no gear. That's to me as an investor, entrepreneur, coach, I wanted to see somebody that's willing to do whatever it takes 
without the resources because we can go get resources. Right. We can get money. We can get help. Um, I can't teach you that tenacity and grit. So like you had that. And to the resource standpoint of the person out there right now is like people will say, oh, I don't have anything or I don't have mm. the money or I don't have hey, – dude, you got a phone. You got yep. everything that you freaking need right now. Yep. Um, and Corey was the proof of that because it's like social media, Google, PowerPoints, mm. webinars, whatever. Like you have the resources to start attracting those. But other than that – to connect us, what would you say is some other yeah. maybe books or courses or, or things that you've learned over the yeah. time so frame? I love books. Like, um, as far as like, how do I learn things? I learn a lot more from books than say like YouTube videos or courses. So one book that was really helpful was the one thing by Gary Keller, because when I was early in my side hustle and then entrepreneurial journey, you make these to-do lists of like 10, 20 different things that I'm just, I, I want to get done for the business. And being human, the day ends, I would look up and I'm like, man, I did eight different things, but I didn't do the three most important things for my business, right? And so that book, it kind of shaped my philosophy to be like, okay, before you start working for the day, understand what's the most important thing that I need to do today to push the needle forward for my business, right? So it kind of gave me that 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 it refined my workflow. So I really liked that book a lot. You know, the classic Tim Ferriss four hour work week was very helpful as well. Traction was a good book that was very helpful for me as well. So yeah, those are the first three coming to mind. Awesome. Yeah. I love, I love all three of those. I remember I picked up the one thing in a, in an airport. Mm. Um, and that helped me a lot because I, I tend to work on a lot of different projects mm -hmm. with a lot of different people. Um, and it helped me kind of dial into like the number one problem for like all entrepreneurs is figuring out what that one thing is. But also Absolutely. I think being patient with figuring out what that one thing is. Cause I think we all know we like have to get to this one area. And we were talking yeah. about this before the podcast where I'm finally figuring out my flow of like, who do I want to work with? What space do I want to be in? Like, what do I want my legacy to be? That just takes years. And like the fact is we have to not put that pressure on ourselves and mm -hmm. be impatient and then like be like, I'm going to do all these tasks when in the reality is just like, just keep being consistent and you'll eventually find it. So cool. Next part of this podcast, we're going a little bit of, we're doing two sections here. We mm. just finished the business portion. Um, but you are in the health and fitness space. So I wanted to kind of like get a two-parter going where yeah, we yeah, ask yeah. you some questions around there. Because um, one, just selfishly, I want to I want to know your response to these. Um, but enough. two, I know they're going to be super valuable to the people out there. So first things first, what is the most underrated part of someone's personal health mm -hmm. in your eyes? Wow. That one is actually, that's a quick answer for me. That's sleep. And it shouldn't be you look at sleep and it's like, that's the one thing that all animals share is we all have to sleep. Right. And you know, one of the best arguments I ever heard for sleep was for a human to be unconscious for eight hours, especially back in early human history, when we're like in the wild and, you know, in caves and there's danger around us. It's like, if sleep was not incredibly beneficial, it would have been evolution's greatest mistake to make us require sleep. Right. So if you think about sleep, it's like any fitness goal that you have, do you want to lose weight? Sleep is beneficial, right? Because that impacts your metabolism. It also impacts uh, your judgment as well. You know, so if you're somebody who has cravings all the time and gives into your cravings, sleep impacts that because it impacts a part of your brain that deals with judgment and rational decision making. So if you want to put on size and mass, 
sleep impacts that. If you want to be happy and be in a good mood, sleep impacts that. If you work out because you want longevity, sleep certainly impacts your longevity. And so I would say sleep, and the reason I say it's underrated, it's not that people don't consider sleep to be a topic, but if you look at how many hours of sleep people actually receive in America in 2021, it's subpar. People are sleeping six hours a night, six and a half hours a night. Go ahead. I love that response because when I think underrated, it's like something we know we should do, right? but still don't do. We still and don't it's do. just like, <laughs> right. so it's just like, it's like sports. It's the guy that you know you should probably mark or like have right. somebody on, but you still don't. And then he beats, he you, beats you, right? Because <laughs> you, you just undervalued him, underrated him. And That's right. at the end of the day, like, I, I love how you took that approach. And I actually heard something. I don't know. I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about what if human beings, like, you know how we're awake mm-hmm. most of the day? What if we originated as sleeping most of the day? They're starting to have findings of like the whole, like, we're up most of the day is kind of like counterintuitive to mm-hmm. like back in the day because basically sleeping is where we get our energy. That's right. Right. So Absolutely. when you don't have fast food and grocery stores on every corner, the main part of what you're doing is conserving energy. So what a lot of experts are looking at is like, did we actually sleep and rest more so that we had the energy to have one spurt of Bingo. like, we're going to go get more energy and then we're going to relax like hardcore. Um, that makes within our sense. own extent, right? Like relaxation, right. if there's like saber tooth tigers coming, like it's right. tough, but like we're going to find a fort or protect ourselves. But I'm talking relax. It isn't like, we're not going to be running around all day, right. every day, stressing ourselves out because we know that if we do that, we're not going to survive. That's a very interesting idea. That makes the, I agree with that because if you think about it, Today's workday, it's like humans now like work for like eight to 10 hours sitting down at a desk, right? Versus to your point, if in order to get food, we had to go hunt a buffalo, then you need sleep because when it's time to go hunt, you need to be at 100% and yep. ready to go attack, right? Slash, if there's something dangerous chasing after you, you don't need energy for 12 hours. You need energy for the one hour that thing's coming for you. Yep. Right. And so, so you need to be like resting for 19, 20 <laughs> right, hours. Absolutely. Just for that one hour. Absolutely, of man. And so that's what I would say it's sleep. And um, I don't think sleep is underrated when it comes to like high level athletics. Like if you listen to pro athletes or to pro athletic trainers, they're always harping on sleep. But I think that for just everyday individuals, it's something that we probably all need to do a better job of. And again, I look at sleep as sleep and probably water are the two things that are going to benefit everything that you pursue in life. So why don't we do it? What is the most overrated? Ooh. Okay. Most overrated when it comes to health. Fitness, health, nutrition, whatever. Yeah. What what people you see the majority kind of lean into that you just like, that's way overrated. Okay, I'm going to split this in two. I'm going to do from a training standpoint and then from a nutrition standpoint. Okay. From a training standpoint, I think the most overrated variable that I see people go after is, I guess, like, what's the best way to phrase it? Like, single workout intensity. That's what I would say. So you have people who, when they decide to go work out, whether it's at the gym or at a boot camp or whatever it is, they have it in their mind that this workout needs to be the most intense, crazy workout I've ever done. And this needs to like this needs to make up for all the past 10 years of not working out. <laughs> <laughs> and so you end up 
a few things happens as a byproduct of that, right? One is obvious. You end up, a lot of people get injured, yeah. right? And we've even seen this in 2021. Coming off of 2020, a lot of people, you know, there was quarantine. People were not really working out as much as they used to. So it's no surprise that I keep hearing people, you know, how'd you get injured? Oh, I was doing sprints. How'd you get injured? Oh, I was playing a sport. How'd you get injured? Oh, I was doing a hit class. It's like, for me, you'd be so much better off, kind of like you said in the very beginning, having a more moderate workout that you can do, you know, three to five days a week and you can sustain that over time as opposed to, I want today's workout to be the craziest workout I've ever done. Now you're injured. (laughs) Now you blew an ACL, right? And even if you don't get injured, what ends up happening is somebody goes so hard on that one workout and then it's like, hey, when are we going back to the gym? Oh, I'm still sore. Dude, the workout was <laughs> eight days ago. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? You know, and so from a training standpoint, I would say people try to pack so much into a single session. That's the most overrated, overrated variable. From a nutrition standpoint, I think what I see a lot of people make the mistake of, if I was to give the direct answer, it would be nutritional perfection on weekdays. That's what I would say. So I see a lot of people who on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday of a week, they try to be so perfect. They're like, hey, you know, I'm eating this salad and I'm eating this, you know, zero sugar this and I'm, you know, all this stuff. And they don't realize that your Monday through Thursday is actually pretty fine. The only reason you're losing is because of the weekend. And so a lot of times when I have clients, it's not uncommon for our very first nutritional theme to be, hey, win the weekend. On Friday, I'm texting them, hey, win the weekend. What's your plans for the weekend? What are we doing this weekend? Are you going out this weekend? Are you staying in? Are you, do you have food cooked for the weekend? So uh, that's what I would say is just like people, they try to be so perfect during the week. And then on the weekend, it's like, all right, now I'm going to stay up until 4 a.m. and drink 10 beers and I'm going to get food truck food and wake up at 8 a.m. the next day, and I'm going to wonder why I'm not losing weight. I didn't expect any of those answers, which is great, because this is like <laughs> new content for me. Like yeah. I 100% agree with both, and it relates back to the business side of things where you're, where you're talking about when you say win the weekend, what is the one thing? Bingo. Bingo. Like The one thing that's holding you back is the weekend. Bingo. It's not the weekdays. No. So it's cool how this is all correlating, but yeah, that that makes 100%. And I think that's where, when I think about my own health and wellness journey, like the one thing that I have been really good about is like the weekend doesn't mean I gorge. Bingo. I've never been like that. It's kind of just been in moderation all the time. Like if if I want want something special on a Monday, like I'm going to do it. Like I don't care, Mm -hmm. but it's, it doesn't mean like I don't judge it based on the day of the week. It's just everything in moderation and making sure that um, I can control my myself and be disciplined um, no matter what day of the week it is. And I think that's what right. people people struggle with is on the weekend. And that's really the one thing. And it's funny because like when I used to train clients, kind of the thing that I would tell them is just like, okay, most people don't drink during the week. Like most of the right. people that are kind of with it don't drink during the week. <laughs> right. They only drink on the weekends. So like my challenge would always be like, Okay, if you're averaging 10 drinks a weekend, just drink five. Bingo. Because that's like, think about that. Mm -hmm. Over four weeks, that's 20 less drinks a month. The compound effect of saving five drinks a week. Multiply that by a month, by a year, by 10 years. 
That's thirty that pounds of fat that right there. Change is, <laughs> yes, it is. Like, if you if you calculated that out, that's how what most people don't understand. You could change a lot of lives if people even scaled back five drinks a week. Yeah, even that amount would change a lot of lives. And you replace that with water and sleep, just like Absolutely. you said earlier. Boom, there you go. Life changing. <laughs> All right. Question three. In your opinion, why does the majority of our society struggle with health? This is going to upset some people. I'm going to speak to my generation first and then extrapolate that to everyone else. I think in the modern age, we have, let's just say we've developed some lazy tendencies, some entitled tendencies. We've developed some, I want things right now, quick fix tendencies. Like I think that a lot of the old, a lot of the old philosophies of, you need to get up and do something and actually work and put work in if you want to achieve something. I think we're losing a bit of that. And I think some of that is also just due to entertainment and distraction has never been as accessible as it is today, right? And so now we've created this society where, sure, a person works really hard nine to five, but then you get home at 6 p.m., you feel like you deserve to sit on the couch and you deserve to eat some ice cream and you deserve to order DoorDash and have you know a restaurant deliver food to you. And so if I was to boil it down to one thing, I think we've developed just a lot of bad habits that extend well beyond health and wellness. That's what I would say. I think we've just developed this convenient, maybe that's the word, we've developed a society that's so based on convenience. I need to have entertainment at my fingertips. If I want to eat food, it needs to be delivered to my door right now um, or within 30 minutes. If I want groceries, they need to be delivered to my doorstep. We have a society all about convenience. And then you ask the question of why do people not go into a gym for an hour and sweat their butt off? Why do people not stand in front of a hot stove and cook some food for 30 minutes? Why do people- they don't have to. Why do they don't have to? Why do people not open a textbook about health and wellness and actually study these things? We've developed a society that's all based around convenience. And I, I think that more than anything is the reason. Solid answer right there. Wholeheartedly agree. And if, if you're to dial back into, I mean, 50 years ago, like the demographic mm-hmm. of when I mean health, like the amount of cancer, heart disease, obesity was significantly different. Absolutely. It's it's disproportionately greater in today's day and age, and I do think it stems from. I mean, dude, convenience stores. Convenience stores, <laughs> Jesus. The, the, yeah, the, the word is right there. Like the word the, is in the word. Yeah, you know, it's in the it's, name. It's right there. Um, like convenience stores, you have yeah. literally apps that'll go to a convenience store now. Yeah. So you could go to a convenience store back in the day, but at least you had to get in your car and go there. And you had to there, get right? off now. Your you don't even have to go anywhere. You had to get up and off. go. Exactly. Um, but nobody can do the workout for you. Nobody. And I tell that to every client, especially my successful clients. They're like, oh my God, you changed my life. Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, yes, I understand that. But remember, I did not lift the barbell for you. I did not cook the food for you. I did not make your decision to stay in on a Friday night as opposed to going out. And those are just tough decisions. And I, if there's a muscle that is ability to make tough decisions, I don't think our current society really truly asks us to develop that muscle very much. Now, for the older generation, did they just get soft? Is that what happened? Yeah. You know, that's a very Because they grew up in a time where like the convenience wasn't there. Right. I think that's part of it. 
And I think that a lot of these distractions we talk about and a lot of this convenient things, they're not confined to our generation, right? So a person who's 55, they can order DoorDash if they want to. They can use Facebook if they want to. They can watch Netflix if they want to. So they have access to all these same exact convenient things. And, and they also have disposable income. And, they and then also they have more income. They yep. also have more motive because say you're a family with kids. Do I want to cook and clean up and do all right. this stuff or do I just want to order? Right. Because it's easier because I got these kids complaining and, and roughhousing and doing whatever. Right. So it's just like, and it's cool that we're going through this. I never actually thought that deeply yeah. into the convenience uh, you know, factor. I, I think convenience factor is a really big one. And then I just go back to just, I call it entitlement, but it's just the feeling of I did X and therefore I deserve Y. It's like I worked all day and therefore I deserve to be on this couch. You know, and so and people don't even realize that like they don't, you know, you worked on a computer. And this is the other big difference. Right. Yes. The amount of people working <laughs> on computers sitting at a desk all day compared right. to even just 20 years ago. Right. Think about back then, like you literally like were faxing things. So even that little thing that you had to get up to go like put somewhere. You had to get off your butt. You had to get off your you There go. should be a thing of like a tracker of like how many times you have to get off your butt in nineteen seventy versus versus now. today. I mean, even think about it, like what what was that device? Was it the um they used to count your steps before the Fitbit? Was it the uh not 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 predominant. What was it? I don't, I don't, whatever it was, like people used it was to either like wear that. it on your wrist yeah. or on your ankle, whatever, and it would count your steps. Just even think about to that. If you ran that experiment somehow, you know, I would imagine a decade ago, before we had all this stuff, even at work, right? It's like you walk into the office. If you want to go talk to your manager, you probably have to get out of the chair, walk over to their desk, and go talk to them. Because there's not Skype IM where I'm just going to shoot them an IM, yeah. right? And even talking on the phone burns more and intellectually <laughs> right. than more, like the right? IM. Uh, if you want to get water, I mean, now we, even though I, I love having like a big gallon water jug, but think back, you know, maybe at your first job when you had a little little plastic yeah, styrofoam, <laughs> little plastic styrofoam. So every refill, you have to get off your butt, walk to the water fountain, and then go get that water right um you get off of work and it's like i need to get groceries all right i'm going into the car walking to the car i'm, I'm walking walk to the grocery, the grocery store, store walking all throughout the grocery store and they didn't have as many fast quick things that you could absolutely cook. Yeah. and so, so it's, it's all, yeah. those all sound like very small things but when you compound them over the course of days weeks months years decades all of that extra activity adds up a lot to take in right there so basically, what we're saying is, if you want to get more healthy, <laughs> live as if you're in like the 1950s. Yeah, I mean, and, and I would argue you're going to be happier Cook too. Your own if, food, you're, if you're not staring at your phone walk. all day, you're going to be happier yeah. in any way as well. Heck yeah. All right, we got two more questions. If someone could do three things today to immediately improve their health, what would it be? Now, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take out the sleep and water, which we already hit on. Mm -hmm. So besides the sleep and the water, what are three things? Now, let me ask this question. Are we framing this question as this is three things they're doing today in a singular day, or these are three changes that they're going to make and sustain going forward? Which answer and question do you think is more valuable to the listeners? Fine. Uh, Probably the latter. Okay. Uh, probably the latter. So three changes that they're going to make. Um, okay. First one I'll probably throw out is stop drinking your calories. Now, someone's going to hear that and say, you know, I've got to have my weekends. Da, da, da. But like we said earlier, if you're drinking 15 beers a weekend, 
even if you reduce that to five beers a weekend, and then instead of having soda at dinner, you have water instead, if people just stop drinking their calories, people will lose a lot of weight and be a lot healthier and have a lot less toxins going into their body. And I think that's so simple. That one is simple enough that anybody, no matter how much income you have or don't have, no matter where you live, if I just said, stop drinking your calories, <laughs> you can execute on that. That's probably the first one I would say. Second thing I would throw in there is, and I'm assuming this is a person who is coming basically from ground zero. They don't really exercise very much. They don't really do much for their health. So even if this person just committed to, hey, twice a week, I'm going to do a strength-based full-body workout two times a week. Again, I truly believe anybody can commit to making that happen, right? Like when I have a client coming in and I know they're from ground zero, I don't try to get them to, to commit to working out five days a week, right? I, as a coach, try to figure out, okay, can you give me two days? If you can give me two days, what are the most valuable movements, exercises that we can squeeze into those two days? So I would have them stop, uh, stop drinking their calories. And then I would have them commit to two strength-based uh, workouts per week. And then what is the third one? What is the third one? This will be, f- mm. ah, cooking. That would be the third one I would say. I would tell anybody, create some kind of cooking goal. Maybe it is, you know, I would love, and I tell clients, I would love for you to cook once a day. But if you're listening, you're like, ah, I work three jobs, I can't do that. But I would say cooking at least two or three times a week at a minimum. And so that would be my three is stop drinking your calories, commit to doing two strength-based workouts a week, right? Whatever days you choose to do them, whatever fits your schedule. And that third one would just be commit to, I'm going to cook food at home at least two or three times during this week. Because that third one, if you cook your food at home, again, you're going to naturally eat less calories. You're going to naturally have less grease and junk and things going into your food. You're going to have more awareness of what actually goes into your food. And you're probably going to have better ingredients than whatever you might be getting at insert restaurant here. You're also going to save money because if you're eating out, I mean, people always say like it's expensive to eat healthy. And I'm like, what restaurants do you guys go to? Because even if you go to a fast food restaurant, I mean, you can go to like, let's just say Popeye's. And if you get like a, a three-piece or a four-piece combo meal, it's going to cost you like $9. But if and I, the gas. And the gas. And the time to get the there. time. Versus if you buy, you know, a thing of chicken breast that maybe it's 10 bucks, but there's like six or seven pieces of chicken in that. So that therefore means your chicken for that one meal was like less than a dollar, right? And then whatever sides you choose are going to be less than a dollar. It's cheaper to cook. <laughs> so anyway, in summary, stop, drink, stop drinking your calories, two strength workouts per week or more, and then cook at least two times per week. That would be the first three things that I think anybody listening to this podcast can execute. I love the fact that you had the two strength workouts in there because I think when we go back to that underrated question, mm. I think like lifting weights is entirely under, especially in the women demographic, yes. which struggles with weight a lot, ultimately because guys get more slack, unfortunately, right. with, with their weight than women do. So the psychological aspect of that is it takes a greater toll on females. But if they would learn that like how to lift weights and how to do it properly, like that is mm. such a good stack twice a week rather than 
especially with like lifting weights, like you can cut it to a half an hour versus like you have to go Bingo. for a run for an hour, mm. like to Could, really see yeah. a huge benefit over the long run. It's just like two hour long runs per week or like two strength based workouts. Like I'm always going to pick two strength based oh, yeah. workouts. It, 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 and I'll tell you, here's what, I, here's what I tell clients who are hesitant about working out, right? A few of the benefits, even if they're like, coach, my goal is to lose weight. Why am I, why am I lift? Why am I working out? Right. A few things I tell them. Number one, the more muscle mass we put on your body, the better your metabolism will be, the better your body's going to do a better job of burning fat as a byproduct of having more muscle tissue as opposed to fat tissue, right? So that's just first is the more muscle mass you have, the way I phrase it to clients is I say, the more muscle mass we put on your body, the more we can get away with on the food side. Yeah. Obviously, it doesn't mean- Hedging your bets. We're hedging <laughs> your bets. We still want you to be disciplined on the food yeah. side, but we have a bit more leeway because of your muscle mass, right? Yeah. The second thing I always say too is people, are, I'm like, well, why do you like to run? Oh, because I burn calories. That's going to help me lose weight, right? I've had clients who they wear the different, you know, whether it's the Fitbit, the Apple Watch, they track their calories burned. You go track your calories burned during a true strength workout where you're actually progressively overloading. Yeah, you're yeah. actually pushing like yourself to up. lift. <laughs> yes, your heart rate goes up. And you actually end up burning a lot of calories. I had a client literally today who, when we first started working together, he was like, man, you know, I really, I only like HIIT workouts. So I have him doing these strength workouts and he's tracking his heart rate on his, uh, on his device. And he's like, oh my God, my heart rate went to like the 170s, man, it's crazy. And he's like, I burned 700 calories during this strength workout. I'm like, yes. Because your body is having to overcome this external, and then it force. also has to burn after the after the mass versus like when you're running, you're done, and then mm -hmm. after the fact, like our buddy Harrison here, I was just teaching him some some pyramid workouts for the yeah. chest, and he's like five days in, he's like still sore, <laughs> still sore, and if you're still sore, your body's burning calories right. to absolutely to compensate. So and, and then, and that then doesn't the, happen when you run. The last thing I add to that as well is I ask clients all the time, especially with my new clients, I'm like, okay, what's your goal? Well, I want to lose weight. Is that your goal? If you lose 10 pounds and look the same, are you happy? No, I actually really kind of want my body to look a certain way, whatever. <laughs> so what I tell clients, if the only goal is just to lose weight, go run a marathon and don't eat. You'll lose some weight, right? But most people have an ideal physique they're going for. And what I get clients to understand, the more muscle we put on your body, the quicker you're going to get to that ideal physique. You know, and so if you're a woman and- Understanding the true want- the true one, yeah. you know, because, you know, I, uh, again, I, I feel like I can speak freely because I actually, I coach people. And nobody wants to say that. Like this is nobody the wants thing. To say, nobody wants to say, I really want to look good. I really want to look this certain way. People don't want to own it. But here's the thing. When they get with you one-on-one -on -one in a phone call and they're not surrounded by yeah. their peers, people are willing to say it. Uh, uh, men are, uh, look, people are willing to say, look, I want to have guns. You know, I want my girlfriend to see my arms and be impressed. You know, I've had ladies uh, get on calls and say, hey, between us, I want to grow my butt. I want to grow my butt and my hamstrings. Okay, cool. <laughs> we can do that, right? My point is most people have certain muscles they care most about, and you're not just trying to lose weight. There's a certain physique that you are trying to achieve. Which is and I'm fine. And sure I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. Muscle. I'm yeah. glad you brought this up because there's such a negative connotation around like just loving everything about it. Like 
Yes. Oh. <laughs> care. Care enough about yourself where it's just like, for me, for instance, I've loved myself almost my entire life. Like, yes, yes were there periods in my life where I was just like upset with myself for letting myself do certain things and be a certain way and wasn't as confident? Mm-hmm. 100%. But we're we're talking specifically here of just like having a goal of like, and I look at it as more so of reaching your potential as yes. a human being of like a good, something for me is like, I've always had skinnier legs versus yeah. like trying to like really build my legs up through endurance training and strength training so that my legs are powerful and that bingo one, they look powerful, mm-hmm. but two, they are, they actually are powerful, powerful. and, can I, <laughs> and pick, are, yeah. I could use them. And can I piggyback? Yeah. My go. observation I'm not a psychologist, but the happiest people in my life have goals. The happiest people in my life have goals, whether it's health goals, financial goals, business goals, family. I don't care what, I don't care what your goal is. The happiest people I know have goals that they are chasing after every single day, no matter what social media tells you. To finish that sentence, no matter what color you are, age you are, bingo, demographic you are, everybody likes to score. Everybody or make likes a basket, to score. Or hit a home run. That's right. So it's just like <laughs> That's everyone right. on earth. And having to, a goal. To get there, you yes. have to understand what that goal and that net or that basket looks like. Bingo. It doesn't mean you have to hate who you are now. You, you love who you are now. I tell every client on day one, you better love yourself right now, but you still have a goal. Hell yeah. I love that. Last question. Man, this has been such a good conversation. And now I'm fired up because I'm about to work out after this. So this is going to be good. <laughs> What are most trainers and coaches doing wrong, in your opinion? Mm. And I wanted to end on this question yeah. because I see a lot. I mean, there's of, a lot of stuff, that's, that's, a lot of stuff that I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing, bro? Oh, what is you doing? Man. What is that? That's like Ooh, that okay. mean. Like, what are you doing? My answer to that question, I think it kind of relates back to like, what is your goal in business, right? In my opinion, what I see a lot of coaches and trainers doing wrong is when you look at whether it's their website, their social media page, or anything, it's all just about them, right? So I go to a coach's page. Me, just look, I'm a coach, but also if I was a consumer looking for a coach, if I went to your page, I want to see your clients. Like I want to see who you've worked with, how you've helped these people. I want to know about your clients before I want to know about you. And I look at a lot of coaches and it's like, here's my six pack. Here's me flexing in the mirror. Here's my selfie. Here's my this. And I'm like, I just find it hard to believe that somebody's looking at that and thinking, wow, this is the person that I want to invest a lot of money in to manage my fitness journey. And so that's, to me, that's the biggest mistake is I think a lot of coaches should do a little bit less of ego, ego, me, 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 look at my abs, look at my arms, look how buff I am, and do just a little bit more of, hey, here's Susie who I helped, and here's her story. Hey, here's Chris who I helped, here's his story. I talked about this a lot on an episode of this podcast with James Quigley. I don't know what number episode it was, but we were talking about producing content for the wrong target market. So like Mm. that person that's showing the abs and the guns or whatever is really producing content to show off to other coaches of how in shape they are Mm. or stuff like that, or trying to get modeling gigs or whatever, but understand that like your clients, like they have a certain picture in mind of like who they want to be, what, like what transformation they want to make. And if Mm -hmm. you've worked with a person that has a similar transformation, like you're going to ultimately connect with that consumer. So I, 
absolutely love that response. And I think it's spot on, just like a lot of the other uh, answers were. But as we get the wrapping up here, how do people get in contact with you these days? Absolutely. A few different options. So Instagram is probably where I'm the most active. So it is at Coach Corey Lawson. So Corey is with an E, C-O-R-E-Y. So at Coach Corey Lawson. And or the, the business Instagram is at Claw Athletics. Um, you can go to our website, clawathletics.com. That is C-L-A-W and then athletics.com. If you want, you can email me, Corey Lawson at clawathletics.com. So I would say those are the most, uh, the best places to reach me. If you're somebody who loves Twitter, again, it's at Coach Corey Lawson. It's the same at name. So, but I would say most active is Instagram and it's at Coach Corey Lawson or at Claw Athletics and or go to the website, uh, clawathletics.com. And then finally, I would say if you are local in Austin, Texas, you know, we are hosting boot camps every Monday, every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Uh, Monday night is Zilker Park. Wednesday night, Auditorium Shores. Your first session is free. So if you just want to come pull up on us, uh, your first session's free. Love it. Definitely recommend going out to the boot camps. It's an awesome time. You're going to yeah, meet yeah, some yeah. awesome people and then ha- get some uh, get some wisdom from yours truly, Corey Lawson here. Last question we always ask everybody, and I don't think I asked you this last time on the podcast because I don't think I started it, but what does thriving mean to you? What does it mean to thrive? To me, if I think of what thriving means, I would flip the question. I would ask a question of what is the gap between when I wake up today, what is on my agenda versus what do I want to do? The smaller that gap is, the closer you are to thriving. And the larger that gap is, the further away you are from thriving. And I think it has to exist on some sort of continuum in that way. Wow. I'm going to write a blog on that. That was, that was, that was a great response to that question so quickly too. like putting you you on the spot. But as always, I always kind of end this podcast with my biggest takeaway. And this one was an easy one. You mentioned the word trust and it's something like this whole conversation we're talking about business and, and fitness and health and corporate world. And no matter what part of the world you're in or where you find yourself, like being able to trust yourself and those around you and getting to that point is probably the number one thing that everyone should be seeking in their life. And it starts again with yourself. Like if you can't trust yourself to do the right things, how can you expect other people? And that's the big problem we have in this world is there's a lot of people talking shit, but they don't back it up Mm. and they don't actually, they don't walk the walk. So it's just like, be the person that people can trust Bingo. by actually walking the walk. And a lot of times this is like like taking some hits and, and oh, failing yeah. and like <laughs> licking your wounds and saying, yeah, I, I fucked up. And yep. that's really ultimately how you gain trust is like I gain trust in people when they're like, my bad. Bingo. I was wrong. Accountability. And I'm learning how to do this even more so and because it's not easy for me. So it's just Absolutely. like going back on things that I've said and been like, that was wrong. I don't mean to do that because I'm ultimately trying to trust myself more by saying, you know what? Like I made a mistake in that environment or in that conversation or doing that. Mm. Um, and therefore, I can be seen as somebody that is more trustworthy with my word, with my actions, Absolutely. with everything that I'm doing. So that was a huge takeaway for me. Is there anything you 
you want to say before we wrap up here? I was just going to piggyback that. Uh, when you say, you know, trust is built by walking the walk, I had a football coach who, who used to say, fellas, it's tough to trust a guy who hasn't worked as hard as you have. And he used to say that to us all the time. And so we knew when it was time to do the workout or to study film or whatever, we knew, hey, if I want my teammate to trust me, if I want them to throw me the football, if I want to be a starter, a captain, it's tough to trust a guy who hasn't worked as hard as you have. It's life. I love it. We're going to end there. It was an absolute pleasure having you on here today, and I'm super excited to get this content out into the world. Yes, yes. Anybody that's listening, thank you. I love you. As always, the best way that you can help this podcast and our brand grow is if you're listening on Apple, please go rate and review. On other platforms, please share it with friends, family, or whoever you think could benefit from this. And then contact me with any ideas, thoughts, people you think should be on this podcast, ways that I can improve. I'm always down to chat um, and would love to help you get to your next level and thrive on life. So until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.